to this today, I think. Great. Okay, I'm just going to ask everyone if you if you're not, I won't unmute you. Could you just unmute mute yourselves, please? That'd be great. I don't think we've got any uh, unfriendly Zoom bombers in here today. I'm trusting not. Well, Maggie Powell does a little bit funny. That's great. Yeah, they've lost interest in it. That's it. <laughs> you know, yeah. Touch wood, hopefully. All right, Mark, Sarah, Zoe. That's good. Good to see you. Vicky Tofa's back. That's good. We've got loads in today. That's good. Good numbers. Okay. So, um, okay. So I think we're ready to go. I'm going to have to, Daz, are you going to watch the room? You and Lebowski, are you going to watch the room? Is that okay? Yeah, good. Um, okay. I'm on the iPad, so it's hard for me to do that. Okay. Well, you just, you just sit there and mind, mend your roof. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, hello. Uh, good morning. Uh, good day and good evening, wherever you are in the world. Or good morning. Um, so, just to say, welcome to Paul H's reflections on the Twelve Steps, the Big Book, and anything the hell that he decides he wants to talk about. Um, just to say that this is not an AA meeting. I just want to make that really clear. It's just basically a member's view uh, of his reflections on the steps. So, this meeting is being recorded. Um, so it's but the spotlight video is going to be on Paul as per normal. So you won't be on there. So if you want to do, if you do want to turn your video off, that's fine. But um, it's all good. So if you just to say again, if you've never been to this meeting, Paul's load. You can get a load of Paul's videos, all his books, um, his books on recovery, his audio, and his a lot of stuff uh, on his website, which is zenbitslap.com, um, which is just a really great resource if you want to find out more about some stuff. And uh, with that, I'll hand you over to Paul. Over to you, man. Good morning, or whatever to everyone. Paul, alcoholic. Um, again, the emphasis on whatever topic we're speaking about is rooted in this idea or a premise about the exact nature of the wrong. And um, the way we're presenting it. And then from that presentation, the reflections on everything else concerning the program uh, come from that presentation or that premise. So the premise is, I feel like uh, we're in the act of being identified as the disease, so to speak, because the disease may have alcoholism, but the real disease is of self. So the bondage is of self and, and really uh, in the ignorance of self, we tried to get relief from that bondage by drinking and using, which only reinforced the bondage. So uh, from that point of view of looking at it that way, then I tend to turn on that same view on all the, on all the steps. And then it brings me to certain conclusions. Uh, and I really uh, emphasize the most on the uh, inventory process, where the way I like to look at it is to see how self has defeated us, yeah, by its manifestations. And its common manifestations, as listed in the big book, are resentment, fear, and harming other people in the pursuit of what we want and we look at our sexual behavior 
And so that's the basic inven uh, introductory inventory to look at the common manifestations of self, uh, not to produce more guilt and shame for what we did, but hopefully to see that we were more uh, a mode of transportation than the driver, that something had taken us over and was using us to express or manifest through. And uh, it did a damn freaking good job because it's constantly speaking to us as us and we're in the act of being identified as it. So uh, I had a, a one, one of those events where I saw self as other and I'm not using it to imply an ego or an objectification of myself. I'm using it as a feeling or a sense that that accompanies or actually comes after every action is the feeling that I'm the one who did it. Every thought that I'm the thinker, all the feelings, I'm the feeler. That I'm the seer, the hearer, the taster, the toucher, and the smeller. In other words, I am the cause, the long-lasting, independent, separate thing. In that case, that becomes the dominant reference. And the only way we could look at our real nature, which I would say is of spirit, as, as something to add on to this nature, this mental, physical hybrid that we take ourselves to be. And the mental, physical hybrid will always be the dominant condition, even in your pursuit and wanting to produce a spiritual condition it will be put upon or it'll be put after the first condition of a mental physical one. I don't believe spirituality will soak through that condition, the mental and physical one where you'll become spiritual. I just don't believe it. I see that if you recognize what you're not, you'll find out that you're spirit. And I believe the A program is the way is an incredible way not only to recognize what you're not but to have intimate contact with what you are through the grace of let's say you want to call it the higher power so uh, we have samples of it all the time in recovery and other people must but we've given them names and one of the names of a state before thought is pause p-a-u-s-e uh, not P-A-W-S, <laughs> pause. And in that pause, we're there completely and there's no thoughts. There's a, it's, a, it's an uh, intervening in thoughts or a stoppage or a, a place of incredible neutrality. Well, I would say that's a sense of what we are, not an experience that what we're not has, but a sense of what we are amidst the experience of being what we're not. So. Uh, with that in mind, I tried to look at the steps, and then I was just looking at um, We Agnostics on page 53. We've been using this one line or these few lines, but I want to read more of it because he really emphasize, emphasizes the power of faith, not a faith, though faith could demonstrate through a faith, like Christianity or Buddhism or whatever, but faith more like a force of mind and how important faith is in our life. And if you look at it the way he presents it, you can see, bring that to the statement in the fear inventory about 
perhaps there's a better way, which is trusting or really having faith in the infinite rather than finite self. So obviously the, 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 the dilemma or the reinforcement or the continuation of the problem is faith in finite self. And so the program moves that faith because we can't move the faith because that would be faith in finite self. We'd have faith in finite self that it can move faith to the infinite, which it can't. It will all just be emphasizing the finite self. So the program takes the, the faith that we are and that's put into the, on the failed system and moves it to a reliable system. And hopefully while we're in that process, we can, dem we can honor the demonstrations of the new way of life because the habit of the old way of life is to forget a miracle in a half an hour, but to remember a seeming resentment for 40 years. So there's a strong current that collapses constantly in and of itself, self-obsession. Self, it's like a cocoon we live in. And so basically the program breaks us out of that and moves us to perhaps there's a better way. And there is. And what's that better way? trusting or having faith in the infinite yeah so here he says uh so i'll start reading if you don't mind page 53 the bottom of it without knowing it which is usually the case most of us are in in active alcoholism <laughs> we don't know without knowing it had we not been brought to where we stood by a certain kind of faith for did, not, did we not believe in our own reasoning or thinking, you know? Did we not have confidence in our ability to think? What was that but a sort of faith? Yeah, that's why a lot of us have so much anxiety manufactured in what's not happening. It's produced by faith. We have faith in the thoughts. We have faith that we're going to be screwed next week. We have faith. And if someone says they don't have faith, there's faith in that. So faith is behind and is, it's basically the driving force in this world, in this life. So, yes, we had been faithful, abjectly faithful to the God of reason. So in one way or another, we discovered that faith had been involved all the time. Well, one of the ways you discover that is in the inventory process. <laughs> <laughs> it says so in one way or another we discovered yeah through the inventory process one of those ways that we had faith in a failed system called self that's what we discover we found too that we had been worshipers worshipers wow what a state of of what a state of mental goose flesh that used to bring to you that used to bring on what I don't know. I can't read that one. Had we not variously worshipped people, sentiment, things, money, I would say thoughts, and ourselves, and then wish a better motive, had we not worshipfully, worshipfully beheld the sunset, the sea, or a flower, who of us had not loved something or somebody? How much did these feelings, these loves, these worships have to do with pure reason? Little or nothing we saw at last. Were not these things the tissue out of which our lives were constructed? Did not these feelings, after all, determine the course of our existence? 
it was impossible to say we had no capacity for faith or love or worship. I'm just saying it's been put in the wrong thing, basically. It was put in a failed system. It was put into reliance and worshiping self. Yeah. In one form or another, we had been living by faith and little else. Yeah, so... Uh, You know, to me, a thought can't ruin my day, but my thought can ruin my day. My is a movement of faith, yeah? A problem, yeah, I can be, it can probably be solved. My problem seems to just promote more and more and more problems. That's, that's the vehicle of faith. So we're constantly running up against the old faith in the failed system while we're in the process of being moved to faith in the new system. Yeah. And just as we're willing, we get seemingly dragged back to the old, there's a point where we break out of the gravitational pull of self and we're being drawn by the grace of the higher power. That's the time to drop the old story. So when I feel fucking great, I don't have to paraphrase it with, but I'm still fucked up, you know? Just start you know, allowing the, the new reality to be real, really. Instead of like our friend, uh, I think it was John or Devo, David talked about, he would pray, you know, for the, the to be relieved of the bondage of self. And then he realized, the praying to be relieved from the bondage of self was allowing him to miss that he was in the freedom from the bondage of self. So the constant praying for a future result was disguising the result that was there right then and there. See, this is, this is it's like the, the exhaust fumes of the old faith. Yeah, The old faith is maybe I will be okay. The new faith is I am okay. So, uh, yeah. That's about it. Okay. Thanks very much, Paul. Um, so now we um, invite people to uh, raise their hands um, and ask a question and get some insight on that, on, uh, on step five and the, the exact nature of our wrongs, as Paul says. So um, any hands going up? I know there's a couple of... Hey? Was that step five? <laughs> Are we supposed to do step five today? <laughs> no, I, well, that's what I was led to believe, but it's, I think that's what we did promote it like that. Well, sorry, didn't promote it. We, we did mention that it might have been step five. So, all right. So then let's just, just, then let's go over step five for a second. Okay. I didn't know. So, step five is something obviously comes after step four. So, ah. you have material uh, that's revealed by doing the inventory and by, and, uh, going it out, you know, talking while you're doing the inventory with your sponsor, whoever that may be. And so now we have, and I'm just looking at it in one way. I'm looking at it as self, how did, how did self defeat me through its manifestations? Yeah. So first and foremost, in the inventory, I'm not calling resentments mine. Yeah. I'm not calling fear mine. I'm not calling all the acting out that happened mine. I'm feeling like most of that was motivated by being captured by self or alcoholism, if you want to call it that. Yeah. So that's the way I do the inventory. So step five is you, you go to someone you trust or a sponsor or someone like that, 
and you take the information from step four and you present it and the person helps you go over it so that the illumination, because by his or her uh, uh, input, you may see things even in a clearer light. So you go over it with the hopes of seeing the patterns of how self has defeated you. So what? So that you can recognize it as it's, as it's starting to you know, get in its formation. Yeah. So that you can see it. And then that's to me is the working steps of six and seven. Now it says like the book says you go home for an hour, do this and do that. And then six and seven is like a paragraph. And you, whatever you have discovered with the autopsy, yeah, of the past and shit, mm. you present it to the higher power and six and seven, and then that's that. But to me, six and seven is probably the most active steps as you stay re in recovery because more gets revealed. And a lot of what gets revealed is about the disease. And so you recognize alcoholism instead of recognizing alcoholism by its consequences, by its results, you recognize alcoholism as it's forming. Yeah. Oh, those motherfuckers, whatever. Yeah. And then by having in the recognition of that, I take it to step six, which is, Hey, I'm entirely ready because man, this isn't new shit. It's the same old, same old. I'm entirely ready to have this thing reconfigured. You want to use the term in, in the big, but removed. And then, uh, and then I, you know, I humbly asked that power to do it. So that's to me, six and seven. So six and seven, the pump gets primed by you've seen certain patterns of how self has defeated you, which you weren't seeing before. And they've been illuminated by the inventory and sharing it with another person and the power of the program, that grace. It's always like a trinity, you, the sponsor, and that power. And now you're recognizing the formation of alcoholism before you get run over by the truck of alcoholism. And you bring that because it's not a self-help program. You don't dig your heels in and start working on the shit. You bring it immediately to the power and say, hey, I'm entirely ready to have this removed. And you ask that power to remove it. So step five was very, very powerful for me. And I also took the opportunity in step five to share a secret that I had since I was about 11 that I had sworn no human being was ever going to hear this secret. And I had a chance to dump that in that safe space. And I took advantage as much as I could of that safe space that was formed by the little trinity of me, the, my sponsor, and the power. And so uh, step five was very, very potent because I was captured by the past completely. All my behavior and fear and anxiety in the moment was trying to sort of strategize myself out of the past. My idea of, of dealing with shit was not dealing with shit. If my left arm was bleeding, I would just look right all day. I was just, I had very thick mental grooves of behavioral strategies that didn't work. And step five was one of, it was one of the first big liberations from the old way of reliance on self. Because when I relied on self, I just try to avoid everything. I just try to outrun shit. I, if, 
you know, if if some if I fucked somebody up, I wouldn't go to that country again. That would be my solution. So uh, step five was a, one of the more demonstrable effects. Step five and step nine, because I was captured by the past, and basically I felt like I was a huge storage unit with no windows open. There was no fucking circulation going on. It was all dead zone. And I didn't feel alive because you don't feel alive. When you're taken over by the parasite, you feel like a husk. You feel like the fucking bone marrow gets sucked out. Yeah. Shit. I mean, I couldn't. Uh... So I started feeling alive again. And fifth, the fifth step was a huge pivot for me. A lot of, a lot of energy came back to the present moment. Mm -hmm. because of the reclamation of the program a lot of that energy that was frozen and just put in that storage unit called the past was brought back and it gave me a sense of being alive my sense of well-being was uh juicy and that sense of being alive wants you to participate in aliveness you you want to be available and you want to be present and now there's something to be present as and available as so step five was incredibly potent for me and six and seven you know it's, it's still i still go i still use six and seven to this day it's easier when you go to AA meetings for me because uh alcoholism is a shared event it's not like my alcoholism so when i recognize when someone shares about alcoholism and it hits me I go to six and seven right there and then. I ask that thing to be removed and I ask that power to do it. Or I'm, I'm entirely ready to have it removed, ask that power to do it. Now I have faith in the process. I trust the process. I don't sit up and you know look out the window uh, hoping the garbage man's gonna come in the morning. I have a nice rest because I'm pretty assured my job's done. I put the garbage out, which is six and seven, and then that power will reclaim it and recycle it. So, uh, yeah, that's my little Reader's Digest version of step five. That's sweet. Thank you very much. Just, um, there's no questions. There's no hands being raised at the moment. So, um, oh, there is. God, there is. Sorry. So, um, Sean M. How are you, mate? You go. You go. Hi there. Hey, how you doing, Paul? Can you hear me? Yes. I can. That's cool, man. I, can't, I became aware of you uh, a number of years ago through a friend of mine um, from London, and, and I was spending some time in Chiang Mai, and uh, I guess you had passed through, and some people had told me about you in Chiang Mai, and I started re-listening to um, the concepts um, and your presentations, and um, um, I'm back into it again, um, I'm, and I'm working with a lot of people uh, at the moment. Um, because a guy that I met in Bali uh, encouraged me to be really like to like I was struggling with self. I couldn't get out of self. Uh, so it seems. And then I um, but he encouraged me to work with others. Yeah. And, and so I did that. Having the faith that that was going to relieve me of the bondage of self. And somehow. Yeah, somehow it, kind of worked like because i i started literally like asking people to just to read the book with me like i didn't ask them to 
like be like uh, my sponsee or I just said, Hey, do you want to read this book? You want to go through the, this process with me and kind of made it really like easy for people to say yes. And so in, in a very short time, like within five or six months, I ended up having a, because I, I didn't have a job at the time, had about 15 people that I was working with. And so I guess my question is, is do you, when you work with others, what's your process or is it just, you is this is this how you're doing it right now the way you are doing it and sitting down and having people come to you and listen and is that a form of working with others do you think uh it matters to who is who's there yeah so if i'm working with someone uh and they're they're on the they're in the state of their house is on fire uh I talk to them about where the nearest pail of water is, yeah? <laughs> then other people who, are, who uh, have been convinced of certain conditions, sort of like self has defeated them and stuff like that, then we, I speak from another place, yeah? So there's, I don't have any rote. I follow the program, <laughs> the suggestions of the steps and stuff. But, how, uh, but it's based on where where someone is yeah yeah on that level and of course the idea of service is paramount and in one reason is because of the disease the the active the active condition of the disease is obsession with self so we're sort of caught in a very small orbit around paul or sean or mary and that orbit is habitual and we need to do things to bring our attention and interest out of that orbit. And service is one of the mechanisms to, to take, to bring our attention and, and interest out of our orbit and put it onto someone else yeah, or something else. Mm -hmm. And in that event, you feel differently than when you're in the fucking gravitational pull of Paul all day, you feel better, you feel bigger, you feel available. So now a new possibility has been introduced in your life and you continue to do service and you continue to get that, that experience. And then that possibility uh, isn't a possibility anymore. You're getting established there. Yeah. So you sincerely took the, a position of service and service starts showing you there's a, maybe there's a different starting point. And that starting point would be availability and presence instead of obsession or up the ass of self. And then when that starting point gets established, that new starting point, then you have another stage of being of service, which is different than doing service. Yeah. In other words, it's almost like uh, you're, that, you're like a 24-7 on call because you're available and you're present now. It's you've basically been established in your real condition, which is he being here and being here causes uh, an availability and a being available and present is being of service. Yeah. So uh, it's amazing what happens. So service is a many splendid thing. So service is, at first, I feel it's, a, it's an exercise to allow that the habitual interest and attention surrounding 
the object, the mental object of Paul to be pulled out of that orbit and brought into the, the space of this. And then we feel better. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not like rocket science. You feel better and hopefully that feeling better becomes attractive. Yeah. And then, uh, like it says in the big book around page 63, you'll lose interest in self and gain interest in others. Well, that possibility and that effect, I think, is triggered by service, especially in the beginning, uh, commitments. And so by triggering it, it becomes a new, uh, a new reality for us. Yeah? And now losing interest in self uh, may, may not have an end. Yeah? There may not be a point where there's, yeah, I, it's a constant losing interest in self because each situation provides an uh, opportunity to have interest in self. So there's a, a losing, you lose the interest in that, <laughs> that habit. And so now you're in a constant state of losing interest in self, which is a pretty cool state. Yeah. I don't know if that had anything to do with what you asked me. I think so. I don't have any root way of going about it. Yeah, I figure you, you meet the person if you're working with an individual, you read them, you know, there's, there aren't an infinite amount of alcoholics. <laughs> there's a basic, you know, <laughs> there's, a, there's, you know, you can recognize one because you seemingly are one. So you just recognize where it's at. And uh, some people need to get their externals down. Other people, they've got their externals down. Yeah, so, you know, whatever. Great. But nice to hear from you, Sean. Yeah. Thanks, Sean. So with that, um, next is uh, to Beatrice. Hey, Beatrice. Hi, everybody. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Hi, everybody. It's Beatrice, recovered alcoholic and addict. And David, thank you for having the meeting. And Paul, it's nice to talk to you. I met you a few years back in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. You were speaking at a meeting. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't hear your message. I was late to the meeting. But I wanted to share something with you, and I wanted to thank you. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I had written a footstep on a, on a huge resentment that I had been carrying for a very, very long time that I couldn't get free of. And um, I sat down with my sponsor and did a thorough fit step on this one personal resentment that I had. And, you know, I got a little bit relief. And that was on a Monday. The following day, I joined this meeting and I heard you share about self. You know, for years, I've been reading this book about self and I identified myself as self. And it was until I heard you share about self as being the disease and the self-centeredness who is really not Beatrice. And, at that, and, and, if, and I, I think that's what you were saying. It kind of blew me away between that and the story of the dog, the dog pooper scooper. <laughs> it, was just, it was just like a light bulb went off. All these years, I never got that part. Like I really had identified as self, as the addict. And, and, I, and when we talk about it, you, you mentioned it, you know, some people call it ego. I never made the connection, if that makes sense. So what happened that day, that resentment, as, as you accurately said, was fear. 
false evidence appearing real. And when you said that, I was like, oh my God, that's what I've been stuck in. All this false evidence in my head that was appearing real. I'd never get away from that if, it was, if I was still stuck in it. I had to be in the moment to get out of that false evidence. So I, I just want to thank you for that because I'm telling you, I got instant freedom. And that's where I come from today. That part of me, Beatrice, and not self, not up here where, the, where they say the problem lies up in, in the head. So thank you for that. And thank you for having the meeting, guys. Thanks, Beatrice. Thank you, Beatrice, yes. Okay. And thanks for your service, Beatrice. It's a, there's a lot of work. You're doing a lot of good work. Thank you very much. So, uh, Luke from Birmingham. Hey, mate. Hey. All right, there, Dave. Thank you. Um, hi, Paul. Good to see you, man. Um, yes. Yeah. Luke. Yeah, I got no hat today. My yeah. hair's in a kind of more a more reasonable uh, position. I've been able to see a barber. They've they've opened up barbers again. Yeah, this side of the pond. So yeah. Um, yeah. I've, recently. There's been a definite trend, and it's in no small part um, from your own input, really, Paul, um, and, and how uh, I guess I've been sharing and what I've been transmitting, uh, that I've had a, a trend of people who have maybe been around for a while um, and feel that they need some extra um, stuff around there. They've not relapsed or anything like that. They're not even particularly in a, a place of, um, of, of like emotional kind of uh, turmoil, but I guess they've just heard something that, 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 that is attractive and appealing. So around the step five thing, um, I've not, I have taken, what I've done is with uh, a couple of guys is take them all the way through the steps again. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm, I get guidance from my sponsor also. Um, and he said, yeah, you know, um, if that's what they want to do. Uh, and then, you know, obviously that means kind of doing another four and five. Um, but adding some of this stuff around six and seven and, and, you know, page 62 self being the root of the problem and kind of starting from there. Whereas it, you know, they've maybe come from a more, more about alcoholism perspective. Um, and uh, and it's worked really well. I was just wondering what what your thoughts are on on when you work with guys that have been around for a for a bit before and taking them back through the steps, as it were, if they haven't relapsed. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, usually, if somebody is having any little bit of trouble or something, it usually refers to a step. Yeah, you can bring it back. And so some of the people that I, that I know uh, who have time, uh, the feeling of it's still, a, it's still on them is strong. That if, and there's a fear that if they don't do something, something bad is going to happen. And so in that case, you want to uh, emphasize the third step and the idea of really, because I had a real, the third step means so much because it really was when, you know, it's like an old story from India where there's a guy has a huge 
thing on his head, yeah, a huge bag, and it's super heavy. And he gets to the train station, and he gets on the train, and he's now on the train, but he's still holding the big fucking bag on his head. He hasn't realized he could take it off. The bag, the train's taking him, yeah, and the bag, yeah. He's not, it's not just the train's taking him and he's got to take the bag. The train is taking both of them. That's sort of the feeling of, this, of the third step for me, yeah. And uh, I find a lot of people who, who are, who are getting like hit by big rogue waves of anxiety about how they're going to be or whatever is usually rooted in a, a reliance on a failed system. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're still yeah. believing the thoughts and the forecasts that are being projected in there. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And those, that, and those forecasts are really the epitome of false evidence appearing real. They usually break on a shore of some truth. Yeah like you weren't taken care of in the past or whatever, they usually have a kernel of something in there, but they really, uh, fuck it. It's sort of like Starbucks. Every one of their drinks, there is the basic ingredient of coffee, but it's by the time you get the end product, it's really not coffee anymore. So the head is adding on to stuff. So you have to sort of take it to back to that, back to that. Others, it's that, again, it's the second part of the first step of the managing, yeah? Because the managing is really the activity of the disease after you've stopped drinking and using. That's what you're confronted with, is there's still a deep reliance on the failed system, yeah? And I thought that's what we were trying, I was trying to imply with the we agnostics, because he's talking about faith, the power of faith, yeah? And that the power of faith is constantly being demonstrated before thought. Then the thought arises and then fuck, yeah? So basically, there is a quality of living life that's still here. And then there's a listening to a narration about a life, yeah? Which is the realm of self. And a lot of times people, when they're in the, when they're in the state before the narration, when the narration appears, there's not enough honoring of that which was before. They get sucked right back into the story, yeah? So they, they have the ability to forget a miracle in a half an hour, yeah? Where, you, I, you know, an honoring of the effects of the program, to me, produces gratitude and a, and a state of gratitude, yeah? That gives me an immunity to the fucking false evidence appearing real. If that's not being fortified, there's something there. There's like a corroding thing there that needs to be addressed. That's all. And then so you address it. It goes to a step or two, either one or three. Uh, you know, and then there you have it. And then uh, and if you're not, if you don't seem to get it, life will be happy to get you there. I mean, it's going to slap you around <laughs> yep. you know, until you come to your senses. Yeah, I feel. Yeah. So uh, it just um, people with time, like we have that statement in AA here, you know, a lot of people have too many years and not enough days. Yeah. So time doesn't mean shit, really. Yeah. 
it doesn't mean shit. It's basically uh, a present tense state. That's what we're in. Yeah. And uh, there's, there's value in time because to me, time in the program produces a sense of safety that the deep shit can come up into the light. Yeah. If you're living a chaotic life and an anxious drama life all day, it's going to successfully keep the fucking shadows down. It is. So you're going to, you're never going to see the real elephant in the room because you're making up elephants all day. When that stops, the real, the shit that's having a, a, you know, like the weather fronts of the disease show up and then they can really be changed. So I see value in long-term sobriety. I do because it produces the right condition for the, the underlying causes and conditions to reveal themselves so that you can bring them to step six and seven. You need to see them. Yeah, you do. That's the, that's our job. Yeah. We need to see them. So they, they're brought up and then you go, Hey, I'm entirely ready to have that change. Yeah. And then you go through the process of recovery all day, every day. Yeah. It's not a flamboyant one of like, I've stopped using cocaine. You know, it's a recovery all day. Yeah. And so, and that's what in the vision for you, it says this power is constantly going to reveal to us really must mostly about what we're not. That's what it's revealing. It's constantly revealing like the dregs of the disease. Yeah. So that it all can be fucking recycled. Yeah. Yeah. For some other people just don't want to flip out at the July 4th picnic. That's fine too. But others, you know, they want to, you know, they're in, they're in, they're in it. They want to be altered. Yeah. And if you want to be altered, the problem, you know, the, the higher power will oblige and it will use the same tools that will allow you to enjoy a picnic instead of flipping out, you know, or having a longer relationship than three months. (laughs) It's the same, it's the same grace, but yeah. Yeah. So that's how I'm seeing it today. Yeah. So, yeah, if I speak to people, a lot of it is, uh, Echoes of old trauma, yeah, Mm -hmm. that uh, the echo that's produced, the disease finds a crevice there. It can grow, yeah, where it can manage, where it can, you know, broadcast false evidence, yeah. Yeah. And it's because uh, of a deep old groove. And the third step to me is, basic it's the format of living which is just surrender there's a great master in india ramana mahashi basically said there's only two ways one of them is surrender admit that you you're outmatched or overmatched and ask that power and then live thy will be done and to me i feel thy will is done it's not a future i i've observed thy will is done yeah so I've come to a faith in it. Yeah. 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 Because I can't have faith in me, man. No way. <laughs> I'm not managerial quality. That's clear. So. <laughs> yeah. This is the easiest off the way for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right, bro. So Thanks. It's good to see you.
Hat or hatless. Hat or hatless, it's all right. Hal 9000 has broken down. What? Hal 9000 has broken down. What? Doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. um, oh, here we go. Uh, Lebowski Gandalf, over to you, mate. Better be good. Um, I guarantee it won't be good. But um, anyway, the um, and I don't really have a question. I just was working away listening to the thing in the background, uh, the meeting, because um, I've been a fan of Paul's for a long time. But I heard Beatrice, I think is her name. And I heard that enthusiasm in her voice and that I could identify with what she was saying because that's the first, that, that happened to me when I first heard, um, I was like, what the hell? And I went, and I, who is this guy? And I went to his website and I started listening to Paul's videos about five years ago. But it just reminded me that the first day I heard that and I had that big like dog head turn, you know, like what the hell? Cause I'd been in recovery for five years and having a lot of anxiety and all this stuff. And I remember running over to my girlfriend's house and telling her like, <clears throat> it's the self is, is not, it's, it's some, it's, it's an other, it's, it's what's been driving the boat, but it's an other. And we've had this faith in this thing. And I was, and she was like, I'm not here. You're not there. None of us are anywhere, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> she just didn't care. So then I tried to lay it on a bunch of people in AA and they were like the same way. Like, what have you been smoking James? And, uh, I guess it's just one of those things that it, when you find yourself with some years, but like the minutes are starting to get shallow, <laughs> you hear this and then it, and then it clicks. And I think that's what happened to me. So anyway, thanks so much, Paul. I just want to say uh, how eternally grateful I am. Well, I'm very grateful for you, James. The best message is a shared message. Yeah. I didn't really care about the message. I wanted to share relief from the problem. So I love when I see people getting relief from the problem. That's the message. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thanks for, thanks for that. Uh, Lebowski. Nice one. Um, John Dowd. John D. Hey, am I am I unmuted? You are, man. Yeah. yeah. It's it's really nice to see you uh, under these conditions. I just want to acknowledge that, and uh, it's just I just want to uh, you know mention briefly that I, I get to spend a lot of time with Paul on an everyday basis, and uh, it's a great thing to have access to his support. And I'm listening today, and I. I'm feeling like expressing things that you have helped me with through this format, if that's okay. And, yeah. and uh, you know, uh, uh, certain things come to mind today on the subject we're talking about. As for what it's worth, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I'm sober 33 years, continuous sobriety. Talk about time and such today. And um, like like the, the, the real values in time, from my experience, is more uh, realizing that that I do not have to outrun my whatever it is that upsets me, my childhood or whatever it is. I don't have to outrun it. And faith is that because I know that there's a safe place to duck into. And we have each other to remind us each other of that, you know, which certainly Paul, you do for me. And, and that's to me where the goodness is about this whole thing. 
is that I don't, you know, no, I don't know that any of us would want to suggest that we will never be uh, annoyed or troubled by self. But when, it, when we are from time to time, we have a place to duck into that is the proper, corrective, permanent place. So I don't know if that's making any sense, but I'll just move from this format, listening to everyone to, uh, and I don't know that I would have had that, that kind of a broad insight without knowing you. So I just want to thank you also. And I hope that's okay for today. Thanks. Thanks, John. Nice to see you, bro. So, um, Thomas H. Hey, Paul, Thomas, how you H. doing? Yeah, man. Good to see you. Good, Thomas. Uh, yeah, I've never, I never shared in uh, one of your uh, uh, sessions that you've had, but I've been listening to them. And the ones I can listen to, I, I go to YouTube and uh, and check it out. And I've really enjoyed it. Uh, you really put a different aspect uh, concerning the steps uh, in my life. I'll have eight years, uh, July 30th. And, you know, when, when I take people through the steps and I get to the place where it talks about self, you know, I sort of, sort of pause. And because I, you know, I, I didn't really know what the deal was. And, 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 you know, especially when it comes to the exact nature of the wrong, I, I used to not be able to figure that out, but in listening to you, and I tell you, I just, I know uh, I don't have any real questions just yet, but uh, I was coming back in March from a ski trip and I was on YouTube and looking for an AA speaker to listen to. And I said, well, who's this guy? So, you know, I clicked on it and uh, I think it might've been the non-duality. I'm not sure, but <laughs> I, I couldn't understand really anything, but, uh, but, but something in my mind said, you know, something's here that, that, that may be, may be worthwhile to me. And so, so I, I've been checking out the, uh, the reflection of the 12 steps and, and, and you've really helped me. And, uh, and my load is lighter, uh, even though during these last three months with the COVID and everything, yeah, I think self likes to really make sure that, uh, that he wants to make himself present, uh, more than anything else. But, but now that I'm aware of it and, uh, and that it's not me, uh, I, I start to lose that interest in it. Um, I guess the only question I was thinking about, and granted, I was thinking, and I know, you know, I, I'm a Christian, everything like that. But, uh, you know, I, I think of uh, the tree, you know, that uh, Adam and Eve ate of, and, and that's when fear entered in and, uh, and he became afraid and stuff. But uh, other than that, I, I was thinking about in the fourth step, it talks about in the big book, it talks about where it says that people have really dominated us and, uh, and how to more or less how talking about the resentments and, and how to get control of that uh, when we have to look at other people as sick people also. And maybe if you could share on that a little bit, I'd appreciate it. All right, Michael, thanks. Uh, yeah, the, well, the weird thing is a lot of times when I was, and this is a common diagnosis, a lot of times when I was thinking how other people were thinking about me, I, it was just a projection of what I would call my thoughts into them, yeah? <laughs> so it was just another way it was just a weird loop of self, 
Yeah? yeah. So the thoughts that I thought I would have about someone else, I projected into them about me. So really, it was another form of being dominated inside and out. Yeah? By self, basically. Yes? Yeah. So, and, you know, somebody, I would think someone did something to me, and they probably forgot it in a second, and I, I lived under its effects for 40 years. That's a pretty yeah. dominant role that person has had in my life. Yeah? So I've given, I've given a sense of a higher power to a lot of things in this world. Yeah? Okay. A lot of things. So there's people who I've been, like they used to say here, you know, it's sort of like taking poison to hurt someone else. The resentment. The resentment, the person who fucking, you thought fucked you over, probably forgot it in a second. And that person's been holding a lot of space in your life for 40 years. Yeah. I would say that's a dominant role, yeah? That we assign, in most cases. With that we assign. Yeah, there are some cases where some trauma has occurred and that pulp, that person had a role, a big role. But in most cases, we've assigned the dominant role the person's had on us. Yeah, we gave it the meaning it had. So these all these statements and resentment, obviously, is the number one offender is because it gives us a weird, a weird uh, permission to be right about something. Yeah. And that rightness is such a, that kind of rightness leads to being alone. And the, and the, and the disease of alcoholism dominates in isolation, you know, completely. Yeah. So that's how I see it. So this, like, we don't have the luxury to resent anyone because of the severity of the disease of self. We have an excessive, you know, we have an extreme disease of self called alcoholism. Alcoholism amplifies aspects of self, yeah? And we're in the, we're living in a very altered state of amplified, you know, presence of self. So the thoughts have a huge amount of sway. We're constantly reacting to what's not happening. We're up, we're, we're just a storage unit for a past. And then, and then fear, and then the future just fucking, is like a fetish to tickle fear all day, yeah? So this is, uh, you're not gonna make, it's not gonna be turned into a service animal. You're not gonna rehab self, you're not. It will play by the rules until it sees a way out, yeah? I mean, I behaved myself for two years in a program, and as soon as I left the program, it was off and running again, yeah? As soon as it got me alone, it had yeah. me. Once again, it just waited and waited and waited. Yeah, very patient. It acts like it's dead, but it ain't. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Resentment is just a way of seeing things. It's, and if that way of seeing things is a manifestation of self. And it uses those manifestations to feed us. How does it defeat us? It occupies us with past slights and past vendettas, yeah? And then all those people that we want to get back at are dominating us. They're being used to dominate us. They take more space in us than anything else. It's fucking insane, yeah? And it's all prefaced without knowing it. This is the dilemma. 
the host is out to lunch. That's why the parasite has so much sway. The host has to wake up, not to spirit, but to the parasite. It has to see what it isn't, yeah? When it starts waking up and sees what it ain't, it, there's a loss of interest in that. And that's like you're taking the sunlight away from the parasite. It starts dying, yeah? It needs your attention and interest. It, it thrives on it, yeah? So how can you be free from something that you take yourself to be? You have to see it as other, yeah? The whole reason why we present it as a parasite because of the dilemma. The problem dictates the demonstration or the presentation of the solution. The parasite is we're identified as it. The host has forgot it's the host and it's taking the host to be the parasite. It needs to be seen differently, yeah? You can't keep putting new glasses on the parasite. It's gonna see the same old, same old way. Recovery, fucking new age shit. It's just, you can try tons of glasses. You're not gonna correct the self-centered vision because that's the whole system. You have to see that self-centeredness is a pair of glasses. They can be taken off, yeah? See, but the self says it's there. It, the self claims the glasses to be your eyes and you never feel around. You think it's just, oh yeah, that's me. It ain't you. You have not defeated you. Self has defeated you. You have not defeated you. Self has defeated you. Yeah. Get clear. I mean, that's the whole point of the talks, is to hopefully present something you already know, but you just haven't put it two and two together. We're here to solve, we're here to give you equals four. You already got the two plus two. Yeah. It's the disease is causing it not to equal four. We're throwing the equal four on. You got the two plus two already. You've been fucked, yeah? You, have, you don't need any more fucking, you don't. It's, you have ample amount of evidence. It's just not being put, it's not being put in the correct line. To, its, to us, it's two plus two equals me. No, two plus two equals four. Yeah, it's not you, yeah? And if you keep claiming it to be you, you're going to try to be free as it, which is the real bondage of self. There's nothing like trying to be free as self. That's the real bondage. Fuck. <laughs> it's the freedom is from, 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 from. Not for or with or it will show up later. No, it's from. Yeah. Yeah. Be clear and be convinced. Then the clarity will be unwavering. If, if there's clarity, it may not be clear in 10 minutes with, when the storm of selfing shows up again. The, the being clear stabilizes by being convinced. Yeah. Being convinced that the evidence is in, you're not managerial quality, you're fucked. And basically, all right, now the clarity is like a beam. It stays clear. A basic, a, it, clays, it stays clear is a, about that basic fact that I'm not that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
yeah thanks bro oh thanks very much um now jack g had his hand up but i don't know whether um jack he sounds like looks like he's in the shower or something or he's in a mist um he's in a waterfall he's usually yeah. camping or now he's he's calling us from a waterfall that's good um, well, just before I go to him, um, or if he doesn't want to come in, just to say that Paul holds um, four sessions a week. There's two of these. The 12-step the reflection stuff is on uh, Tuesday and Thursday at the same time. And then Paul has his own kind of, I guess you'd call it a satsang, Paul, um, on a Wednesday and a Saturday. Wednesday's at 7.30 uh, Pacific time and Saturday's at... Oh, seven, seven Pacific seven. time. 7 Pacific time on Wednesday and then 1.30 on a Saturday, which is great for we Europeans, um, yes. but for the Americans, it's, uh, it's obviously great. Um, and I thoroughly recommend you go there. And like I said, um, zenbitchslap.com is his uh, website. I thoroughly recommend you go there. If you like what you've heard today, you've never been there, you can get your hands on some of his books. Um, and a lot of the videos are all on YouTube as well as being on here. So um, I'm just going to... Jack has got his hand up. Jack, I can't see your face there, mate, so I'm going to trust you're not a Zoom bomber. Uh, I'm going to unmute you. And the question, you've got a question for Paul? Last question of the day. Jack, I've unmuted you there, I think, mate. Thank you. I'm not a uh, Zoom bomber. Oh, thank God. Well, yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll see after I ask the question. Um, I'm in the sauna. So, uh, right. I'm totally, I'm totally kidding. My, my camera. <laughs> I'm in the store. Your audio was stuttering a bit, so I've just stopped your video. Not because we didn't want to see you in the corner. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. Um, Paul, you've um. I'm in that sauna. Can't sweat out self. I'm out of the sauna. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I could, I would. Um, sweat out self. Um. <clears throat> I've heard you uh, mention a few times that you don't really like the term ego. And uh, it seems to be all over the big book, that term, and, and yeah. all the other AA literature. And I wonder if you could just speak on that a little and maybe explain why that is that you're not, that that's not a term you, uh, you prefer. All that's right. all. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Well, just let's just use the English language. So, when someone is talking about the ego, they'll usually say, my ego, or I have an ego. Yes, the language. And then obviously, the hope is that they'll be able to say, I've lost the ego. I'm more interested in that feeling of who is it that has and who is it that loses. That to me is the sense of self. That's my feeling. And the ego to me is an objectification by self. <laughs> Almost sort of like Dracula going on vampire hunts to, to disguise that the real, that he's Dracula. Yeah. So I don't like the, I don't like the word ego for that reason. Because the feeling of having one or not having one is the sense of self. The, of being the one who has an ego is the sense of self. I'm talking about a sense that's generated by the claiming of your life. So life is happening. There's seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. There's doing. There's thinking. 
all this is going on and then there's an activity i would say it's from a mental movement and that activity claims to be the doer of all that so now the thoughts are used to produce a sense of being the thinker and the actions are used to imply the actor and seeing you know i'm seeing right now is used to imply the seer now that to me is the sense of self sense of ownership in english uh its movement in my in life is is its footprint in life through language is my my so i see there's a huge difference in in the inventory in aa from an inventory on my resentments my fears my acting out and fears resentment and acting out they're completely different yeah by the by the infusion of the my it changes resentment it gives it can give a 40 year life to a resentment my yeah same thing with fear which is mostly mental anxiety it gives more life to fear it gives more oomph to the fear it's like a it's like a like nitrous oxide in car racing it gives a way oomph it, it amplifies the fuel so people have a resentment it would probably go away by the afternoon if it's crowned my resentment it may last for 40 years it's unbelievable and a resentment doesn't have the ability to last for 40 years it can it can be given that ability by the claiming of being my resentment yeah so this is what i see as self and this is the activity of the bondage of self and so the ego to me is sort of a uh mm, almost like a camouflage to what's underneath it so i'm not interested in the in the ego so or the idea of ego i'm interested in uh some people believe you have to have a healthy ego to lose an ego and that to me is giving too much meaning to ego really so yeah i don't know how but i can keep talking about it but i i feel like i've said it as clearly as i possibly can what i'm talking about as self is a sense of ownership the sense of doership the sense of self is so strong where you have convincing evidence that when you were under the influence you were apt to do almost anything yet your head is still totally assured that you did all that behavior completely that's why it's still producing guilt and shame from it because of its owning of being the doer of it yet it was obvious if you could take a step back that you were in a state of powerlessness and you were dancing with a gorilla and you were going to stop when the gorilla wanted to stop i don't see how you could come to you could still believe that you were the doer of all that behavior while you were under the influence i think it's i think it's just the stubbornness of the disease of self really yeah i think it's obvious to everyone who's had active alcoholism that something some feeling something took them over yeah you want to call it a foreign pathogen or a demonic possession or a parasite their images of 
the experience of being taken over by something. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that's the starting point in my whole take on this program. I just don't see, uh, <laughs> I don't think there's a self. I don't think there's a real thing. I don't. I think it's an idea. Yeah. I believe we're spirit. If you want to, yeah. If you really want me to, I'm not, I don't like sharing beliefs, but the belief isn't unfounded. It comes from an intimacy, but I believe we're spirit. I don't believe we're a thing that's driven by a brain and a shit like that. I don't. And so I believe our inherent state is a spiritual condition. I don't believe we're going to arrive at a spiritual condition. I believe we've never left the spiritual condition. Seriously. So I believe what gets diminished is, is a mental condition. And in that mental condition gets diminishing, another condition that we term spiritual becomes the dominant condition. But I believe the spiritual condition is what we are inherently. Yeah. And I think we're trying to get to it ass backwards. We're trying to get to it through a physical mental condition where let's just say we're not a physical mental condition. Maybe you'll find out you are a spiritual. Condition. You know what I mean? I mean, why, why take the long road when you're there already to me? I don't know if you want to take the long road, that's fine. But part of, the part of an invitation and the value is saving time. Hopefully, Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, so, and hopefully you can learn from others. So maybe some others will tell you, Hey, you are a spirit's condition and maybe you won't have to find that out the hard way. Maybe you'll go, Hey, wait a minute. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's true. Yeah. And maybe you'll look at suspicion, the physical and emotional and mental conditions instead of being suspicious about the spiritual condition, you'll be suspicious about the other ones. Yeah. And those will be very well-founded suspicions and a lot's going to be revealed. Yeah. 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 So that's that, I guess. Well, that's it then, Paul. So do you want to say your goodbyes? Do I want to say my goodbyes? Well, it's just a temporary, temporary interlude, I hope. <laughs> so uh yeah let me say hello to everyone and goodbye i see my friend zoe is in there nice to see you zoe mike up there mike O. we got vicky nice to see you again vicky sarah p a uh, nice couch how are you uh we got dennis and dennis got someone else maybe uh a second dennis the son of dennis <laughs> <laughs> We got Cam from Chicago. Nice to see you, Cam. We got Andy. He's, he, 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 he's either from the West or his last name is West. I'm going to say Andy from the West. Jim and Trish. Mickey, as always, Mickey, thanks to see Nice to see you. Uh, let's see. We got Keith, John, two of my main men. Nice to see you guys. Thanks so much. Sean, it's time to go to bed, Sean. Put out, yes. Uh, we got Sue. Sue uh, is up against the wall. MF. 
with a pillow, which is nice. See, that's the difference between active alcoholism. You're up against the wall, motherfucker. Now in recovery, it's up against the wall, motherfucker, with a pillow. Nice, not bad. We got Luke from Birmingham. Yes, Luke. Yes. Take, you're going to be the lineage holder, Luke. You're going to take over. Sean, nice to see you, Sean. Michael Stacy, my acute, uh, very uh, clear character. Nice to see you, Michael. Dimitri, yes. Hopefully you're going to move to the real set of Star Trek soon. You don't have to play with this little pillow and shit. You'll get a real console. We got uh, Alina. Alina's up, up and at him. Nice to see you, Alina. I'm so happy to witness your uh, program of recovery. It's fantastic. Andy G. I like that shirt, Andy. Yeah. You could stare at it for a while. That would be interesting. You'd, you'd have an altered state in an altered state in five minutes just staring at that shirt. Tom from Amsterdam. Nice to see you, Tom. David, and let's thank David. He's the one who does this whole thing, the platform with Daz and Michael Z, and then, yeah, Gandalf, whatever he's calling himself now, Big Lebowski. <laughs> who knows? And then we got Daz, another, he's Beatrice. Virginia, yes, Virginia. Nice to see you, Virginia. We got Joel. Nice to meet you, Joel. Ah, Tofa. Nice to see you, Tofa. Sylvester. He's the, he's the Lord of the Blinds. Sylvester. We got Malcolm. Malcolm, thank you. I think you uh, were very generous in my direction. I appreciate that greatly. I need to have a lavish lifestyle to be able to share all this. Joel. Joel. Uh, Joel just appeared. He looks like the guy from Shameless. All right. Jack G, I don't see you, Chris. There's a lot of other folks who are just, they just appear as an emoji, I think. Hey, thanks so much, guys. I hope to see you again on Thursday or Wednesday or Saturday. And it's such a pleasure. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Uh, if, I, if I couldn't share here, I'd be, I'd be in an asylum probably. I'd be screaming my head off in the street. And I'd get arrested. So thank you so much. <laughs> for allowing me this uh, this outlet. All right, thanks. See you. Bye-bye. See you later, everyone. Cheers now. We're going to shut up the shop in a bit. <laughs>